play. play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C. G'day, g'day, and welcome to the Astro League Podcast. My name's Matty C. I'm the commissioner of the Astro League. I own one of the teams in the league, but uh, look, more importantly, I am here to help talk us through the semi-final week of the Astros League Fantasy Football. It's fantastic, too, because, I mean, here I am on location at Seaford Oval. It is the home of sports in Queanbeyan, where a lot of our teams in this league sort of hail to in some way, shape, or form, either live there now or have lived there as the town right next to Canberra, where where I guess you could say that we're based. And Seaford Oval, I'm going to dive into why I'm here a little bit later on. So this week, we've got the semi-final matchups, and I think it's worth just knowing for people who aren't part of the show terribly often, what, what even is the Astro League here? We're a 16-team NFL fantasy league. We have half a point per reception. There's some weird scoring, too, where the quarterbacks get a 300-yard passing bonus, score a point for that. You get two points for passing a touchdown that most other leagues don't give you, so it's six instead of four. And for players who can catch... Uh, 100 yards of receiving yards will get you a bonus point. For players who run it, 100 yards of rushing will get, also get you an extra point. So this league, complete unicorn as well. Not only is it the uncommon size and the weird scoring, but every owner in this league is Aussie. Even the ones who are expats somewhere else, they say they're Aussie these days. And you know, between that and the weird scoring, I think that makes this a real unicorn. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Astro League Podcast. Now, this is one of these great things. We've had wildcard weekend last week. And it never happened before until last year in the series that we have for the wildcard years where two wildcard teams make it as five and six seeds who don't win divisions. And in history, every year, one of those two or both of those wildcard teams had won until last year. Last year was the first time we saw one and two have the bye, three and four have to front up against six and five respectively, and we saw three and four take care of business. This year we saw a repeat of the dosage. So for only the second time since we instituted a 16 playoff, we have got... One versus four, two versus three. All division winners in the semifinals. Now the one versus four, it is James the Seahorse. He's our sheriff. He is a big decision maker and he is a big, big opinion in this league. And he's had the team of the year so far, way, way out at the top in scoring with his nine and four record. He's going up against TC and the Squazmongers. Now the Squazmongers have won their last four finals appearances, including the 2016 final, but been a little while between drinks for them in the playoffs but did a great job cleaning up Adam in the wildcard game last week. The other, and this is the reason I'm at Seaford Oval, is because the struggle town sausage dogs. They're from my division this year, the South. They're the number two overall seed, and they're facing up against Scuba's $10 book aside. So, Jolio, that's why I'm here, mate. This is a show of solidarity for you. The show over on the South is not messing around with the strongest division in the league. We had three teams rated in the top seven in the final rankings at the end of the year, and it meant that uh, only two of us could go to the finals, and it was you and Justin. So it's all on you now, brother, with Justin going out last week in that matchup with Scuba. All right, I'm going to have Taylor come on the show now, and he's going to go through what he got right in last week's predictions, but it's given him all the head of steam he needs to go ahead and make more predictions for the semifinal week. So strap yourselves in. I'm going to get Taylor in here now. I love hearing this intro music, so let's fire it up. Matty, I'm not sure how short you need this podcast to be to be digestible, so you may need to cut three quarters of my gloating that may or may not be incoming. I'm also not going to have time to do the complaining and looking back segment as I need extra time for gloating, so that may (laughs) need to be pushed to another week. 
<clears throat> wow. Let's go again. Everyone has Yades. Yades. Yades, 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 Yades. <laughs> Rogers, Yades. Montgomery, Yades. The scores <laughs> and the Booker and the Yades, Yades, Yades. The Gays and the Straits and the Whites and the Spades. Everyone has Yades. Yades. That is so good. <laughs> I like that you committed to the whole thing. I love that. Oh, it's it's commitment central, mate. Now let's <laughs> let's keep this hype train rolling. Yeah, while please. going through the results of last week's matchup predictions. So I had TC beating Adam by six, who went on yep. to win by 3.7 in a testy, tingling finish in the Monday Night Football game. Wasn't it? Yeah, you were just, it was just such a weird back and forth game where you kept thinking, oh, Landry's going to get game scripted out. And then he was game scripted in. And it was just, uh, it got spread across other guys. It just didn't work out for him. But, um, I also had Stephen winning by 2.5, who blew the game out by 26.28. Yeah. In that matchup, I had Justin scoring 96 points, and he scored 96.66. So there was no cleat shitting in that prediction. <laughs> I was underwhelming on the prediction for Stephen, but I'll take the win. Yep. Yeah, I think um, celebrate everywhere you can. Dance on rooftops. In a, You don't have to tell me twice. In a, in a big upset prediction, <laughs> I took Aaron Rodgers to outscore Patrick Mahomes, and it turned out to be the difference for TC. Rogers dominated the Lions' shitty secondary, and that chip on his shoulder is delicious right now. Rogers took down the matchup 36.9 to 20.62. Very comprehensive. I brought up a lot of stats in that game uh, we played, and I painted a very good picture for Rogers. and the fact he had the better matchup gave him a clear edge. Yeah. So I had Derek Henry dominating the Jags for 25 points, and I wasn't nearly high enough. No, <laughs> he no. finished with 36.2, and that Rogers Henry combo was the killer blow for TC. And I'll go into later, but having Derek Henry is an enormous advantage moving forward with his unbelievable fantasy playoff set of matchups. Zeke was a bit of a miss for me. I was right about Dallas leading but it was the backup that I mentioned pilfering him again. So the ceiling for Zeke was non-existent. 6.9 wasn't great, but with that start TC had, it wasn't a weed killer. Yeah. David Montgomery is my ticket to being obnoxious right now. Since calling <laughs> him as a breakout, these are his numbers. 23.8, 25.1, and 24. Gosh, you're going to tattoo down your arm, aren't you? Oh, right. don't worry about that. It's going to be a sleeve of just David it. Montgomery domination. Just right above I, your ass. Oh, mate, don't <laughs> worry about that. I projected him for 21, which I thought was showing high, high praise on him. And still, like Derek Yeti, I wasn't high enough. <laughs> Jesus Christ, get the titties out and slap them multiple times. What a finish to the fantasy season for this guy. He's going to shoot up the rankings for next season with what a finish for David Montgomery. Yeah. He's just been killing these great matchups. But again, well, again three weeks ago, I've done about 10 victory laps on him. So yeah, I've definitely it. earned the three <laughs> that he's done on me. <laughs> so again, I was proud of this prediction on Kenyon Drake. They are clearly leaning on him while they nurse Kyler to health. It was yeah. also a great matchup for a running back against the Giants. And with them leading most of the game, it worked out perfectly for Drake. I projected 17 for Drake, and he scored 15.5. So pretty yeah. happy with the projection there. Yeah, take that. Two points up or down. Yeah, take it. I took Landry to score nine as I was a bit worried about the Ravens' secondary, and I thought the Browns would lean on the running game. Hunt and Chubb uh, combined for three touchdowns, and Landry yeah. finished with 8.68, about as close as you can be on a projection. AJ Brown was back to his beast ways. Yeah. I mentioned him with Davis saying I still thought that Brown was the lead guy. I did project it to be a lot closer between them, but I'm happy that Brown backed me up there. 
21.7 for Brown compared to 2.9 for Davis brought Adam back into it. Oh, mate. And AJ Brown had your back. He had your front. He had your, he had you covered, brother. He, he was out to help you out. And as a Titans fan, you know, him and Derek just beasting everyone also does that for me a lot. So I'm glad he backed me up there. <laughs> it's cost me 12 beers this year. Jesus. I'll That's here, yeah, I know. 12 week. fresh yeah. beers. How good is that going to be? Uh, I'll come um, to you next week and we'll get a photo up in the uh, in the social media about me paying that off. That's it. So Lockett was a bit, was a bit of a miss for me. He finished with 7.7 against the Jets where I picked him for a breakout. He's been average for a while now, but if I'm TC, I'm not overly concerned. He's not yep. killing him either. He's just not delivering that knockout week, which I still believe could happen with Russ Coogan. Right. You know he'll put up a 30 or something, won't don't you? You know, just have one of those 15 catches, 108 yards, two touchdowns, one of them, right? Yeah, where it's more annoying is if you're a locket owner and you just got knocked out or you didn't make the playoffs yeah. and you're sitting there knowing it's going to come eventually. Whereas yeah. Tese's getting by without him dominating. So... You would have to feel like there's something ch- a chance coming. I don't think it's going to happen this week, though, as I'll talk about in the uh, matchup projections a little you bit later. It. Tonyan and Hawkinson uh, was right around where I projected. Hawkinson has been incredibly consistent for a tough position with a 13.3, where I projected a 12. Yeah, I liked Hawkinson's floor more, and I mentioned that if Tonyan didn't score a touchdown, he would get seven. He scored a touchdown and got 12.1, so I was pretty close there. Unbelievable, man. Are you, are you tired from doing all these laps, these victory laps? And all these oh, people? mate, it's, I'll never be tired like... of this. It's, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> you know me, you know, I'm such a humble guy. I don't like to, you know, flex how good I was. But speaking of flexes, in the end, <laughs> completely changed the result in this matchup. I projected uh, for Goldman versus Higgins, but it turned out to be Mike Williams instead of Higgins, who ironically was on TC's team all the way up until week 13. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, with what Captain Hindsight had on, if Adam had kept Higgins there, he would have won and went on to week two of the finals. Sorry for tearing up an already open wound for Adam, but I I can't sit here and say it wasn't a good idea when you did it. I had absolutely no faith in the Bengals receiving call without Joe Burrow there, and Mike Williams had a fantastic matchup against the Falcons. This just proves again that making what seems to be the smarter decision doesn't always work out. No, it doesn't. And I think here is, you know, the vinegar part of your name, just pouring that right into Adam's word oh, there. Oh. Mate, taking that vinegar, just driving it deep into that word. I, I love driving <laughs> a little bit of vinegar into Adam's words because he's, he's such a good player. That's it. Uh, but when a couple of things go wrong, I like to, you know, party about it because they, they don't happen often. And that's what a podcast is for, you know. We need to take our shots. Oh, really? so if we just sit here and play Kumbaya, it's not as fun. So yeah. uh, Goldman was underwhelming with 8.8, but it was clearly enough when Williams put up a goose egg. Yeah. For people at home, Higgins wasn't great either, but he scored 7.4 and Adam lost by half of that. Hello, no, darkness, yeah. my old friend. Oh, wow. Good Technically, <laughs> that's a second sing for me. It's a second song. So you've got your quota of uh, songs up early. Wow, and you haven't even had to do a kicker rhyme. No. <laughs> Look, well, I'm getting it all done early. So, uh, Jeepers, wow. But anyway, so I'll move on to the second matchup uh, results. So Carr versus Kyler. Uh, I yep. wasn't high on either of these guys. I felt like I was pretty close on Kyler from scoring 19.46, what, 23 projection. Yeah. It still doesn't look 100%, but it was good to see him run again for 47 yards. Uh, yep. Carr was the miss for me. I thought he'd struggle against the Colts. I took him for 18, and he scored uh, 10.84 more than that. Uh, so that's one reason why Stephen destroyed my projection for him overall. 
Kamara got hill at QB, which tempered my projection to 13, which he proceeded to put up 18.9. Doesn't seem like I was too far away, but all of these extra points are why he smashed my overall projection. Yeah, what did you give him? Like a 17 or something like that? I, said, I think you I gave him. I gave him 13. I projected yeah. him for 13. He got 18.9. So Hill got him involved a bit more in the passing game, and Kamara was very effective on the ground. So DeAndre Swift was active, and I projected him mixed with AP's possible start, which ended up at yep. 13.5, and Swift finished with 13. So I'll call that a win, finally, yeah. on Stephen's side. DeAndre Washington made a surprise appearance for Justin that I didn't get a chance to project, but he took over Singletary, who I projected for six, and Washington scored 6.2, so I was pretty close there. <laughs> so I'll take that. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that Cook's ceiling was lower than normal against the Bucks, but he was great on the ground for 102-1, and one, which broke through my projection of 14, but he still stayed under 20 with a 19. Alan Robinson looks fantastic with Trubisky there. He's always been a great receiver, but Foles was stinking up the joint. He needed some kind of consistency at quarterback, and he's getting it at the moment. I projected him for 13, which was the highest out of these receivers, but again, Stephen, I wasn't high, nearly high enough with him finishing with 23.8. Get a load of this guy, though. If I told you, hey, man, um, give me a projection for a guy who's had 10 games of at least 70 yards this year. Well, you'd probably give him a pretty hot projection. But then when you go, oh, but that guy's Alan Robinson, you go, oh. But it also makes you think, Farah, what would this guy do if he ever had a real quarterback? Oh, he'd be unbelievable. I yeah. Cannot you know. I heard someone try to say that maybe he'll end up on the Texans with Deshaun Watson. That would be unbelievable because they obviously need uh, someone and that would just be the perfect fit, I think. You know, what it would take to get them a top wide receiver. Can you imagine when the Texans with a, a great wide receiver? God, can you imagine what that would look oh, like? Oh, no, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, wait, it was just happening until they traded him away. Oh, I'm old enough to remember. <laughs> All right, I just on. remembered. Uh, <laughs> so, Deontay Johnson obviously spent time at the Ryan family barbecue had a huge case of the fumbles and suddenly had a brown substance in his cleats as he sat on the bench. I'm pretty sure Mike Tomlin's death stare was probably also adding to his downstairs stain situation. Mike Evans fell into into that no TD situation, which does not work out well for him. He finished with 7.1 against my projection of 12, which fell pretty well short. I saw C.D. Lamb as the low man in these receiving cores, and I projected yep. him for nine, and he finished with 7.1. So pretty close there. Yeah, all those sevens. And I think at the moment, if you just told me, with all the scores Evans has had lately, oh, that's a tight end. That's not a wide receiver. I'd believe you. He is just a tight end lining up as a wide receiver. Yep. 100%. Gross, 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 gross. So I liked Henry more than Pooper with a projection of nine to six, but it ended up 7.1 to zero which is about what to expect from most tight end matchups. Just drove the stake into Justin's heart that little bit more. Uh, Cup versus Edmonds was pretty close to the projections again. I said 9 to 7, and it was 11.8 to 7.3. Won't go into it too much. Cup got a TD, which bolstered him, and Edmonds stayed in that backup role, dependent on receiving work and limited rushing work. So after all of that, we have Stephen and TC moving on. So a huge congratulations to those guys who are now into the final four. Also a big, also a big congratulations to Adam and Justin, who were great this year and were part of making this a fantastic season. 
Last but absolutely not least, an enormous congratulations to me. What a set of projections. <laughs> I can't pick a good fantasy side for myself, but man, I can analyse the shit out of these other teams. Oh, you found your calling. <laughs> Next year, um, you should take a page out of Scuba's book here. And just have Avery run your yeah. <laughs> Just mash the just mash the pad, and it'll probably end up better than my season this year. <laughs> What's Avery three? Right, you know. Like... Yeah, he'll be three by the, the season starts, and he'll, yeah. he'll definitely do a better job than I did. All right, now after that first two hours of going through how good I was, let's move forward to putting my great week on the line and projecting what happens in these huge semi-final matchups. Let's start with the big man on campus, Sheriff Seahorse. The number one mm. seed puts it all on the line against TC, coming off a tight win against Adam. Now, this QB matchup looks a lot like last week. I won't bother with a game for these two because we all know the stats for Rogers that we learned on the pod last week. And again, yep. people may see Wilson as the leader in this matchup, but this week I'm even more on AA Ron's side than I was last Ooh. week. I'm just as excited about Rogers against the Panthers that I was with Rogers last week. And I'm nowhere near as confident on Wilson as I was for Mahomes. And a huge part is matchup. Yeah. Rogers gets a below average Panthers or a 20th against QBs. And Rogers has the most TDs by any QB in the league this year. I mentioned that tasty nacho cheese Doritos ship on his shoulder and it continues here. Whereas Wilson gets Washington, who have been lights out on defense. They are ninth against QBs and fourth against wide receivers. So this is going to be a huge test. I can see that game being a lower-scoring affair that the Seahawks are normally used to. So the matchup prediction on NFL.com, who I'll bring up a few of those matchups, has a Rogers 25.57 against 25.52 for Wilson. So a .05 difference. I'm going out of the box here again, and I'm saying that Rogers wins by 11. I'm saying he wins 33-22. Wow. Now, That's a big leap of faith, so wow. Yep. Okay, play the flag. Look, yeah, I, I took my shot last week. Obviously, it wasn't a big difference between the two, and he won by 16. I just I, I see a bigger difference between them this week, so it would be silly for me not to sort of plant my flag and go a bit higher. Um, go after it. Be bold, brother. Be bold. Um, now, if Seahorse goes off NFL.com projections, his running backs will be Hines and chronically emitting horse shit. But I'd make a big case for Damian Harris being in there. I'll project what's in there now, but I'll add Harris at the end. So CEH gets New Orleans, who are number two in the league against running backs. Miles Sanders broke off a huge play last week against them, but I consider that an outlier. And I don't see the same explosiveness out of the rookie at this stage. This looks like a pure Mahomes-dominated game, and I'll project horse shit at 6.5. Hines is making my bowels go in separate directions trying to project him. I'm going on the low <laughs> side here because he relies on a good game script and I don't see him getting it against the Texans. With Taylor dominating the ground, I don't see Hines getting much groundwork and the need to pass in the second half is a good chance of not being there against the liquid Grogan Texans. My projection <laughs> is seven. Man, he's flip a coin, yeah. isn't he? Does he score a couple of touchdowns? Does he get none? Like Naeem Hines... Is like in the top three in running back at multiple touchdown games. Like, it's just how lucky, how lucky can you be? He's normally a guy that benefits from a real struggling running game. So, if uh, there yeah. might be an injury or that they just have no idea who to go to or they're behind, it's, it's always like those things. And I just sort of don't see any of that happening. I don't think they're behind. I think no. Jonathan Taylor dominates 
And I just yeah. don't see any sort of way that Hines has a great game here. I'm sitting next to you on that one. I've got my pom-poms out for that one. So, now Derek Henry, my goodness. He now gets the Detroit Lions coming off a 36.2. Get that NFL.com 17.2 projection out of my face. Swipe that shit away like it's birth control to Rivers' house. A big (laughs) hiatus from me from the Rivers jokes, by the way. I'm so glad they're back. Yeah, same here. I've missed them. The the Lions are more like one of those weird skinless cats at the moment, especially against regular <laughs> uh, regular running backs. And Tarek Yeti is not that. The colder it gets in the US, the Yeti gets even better and harder to tackle. And this 32nd ranked rushing defense, to the math, that's last in the league, is going to get the sausage in the hallway by the Adonis of a man. Stafford also <laughs> looks like a low chance of playing, so Detroit will struggle to keep yeah. up. And this whole second half is going to be a Titans trying to get Henry to 2,000 yards first. My projection is 28.5. That might be tepid. That might actually be tepid. Holy cow. The guy already looked like he was completely covered in spiders last week playing my abominable Jaguars. Yeah, and now it gets better. Uh, God, they're far out. The Lions couldn't. They couldn't stop a bar stool from running for 100 yards. They are atrocious. Especially not a bar stool that looks like from steroids. <laughs> I mean, the sky is the limit for this one for Derek Henry, right? I mean, and the other running back in that pairing is Gorman. Gorman could not show up for all oh, for, sure. for what Henry's going to do. But I'll project him anyway. Bruce Wayne Gorman gets the Browns, who are above average <laughs> against the run, and are more beatable in their secondary. But with how bad their QB play has been in the air, I'd expect them to lean on Gorman, but I do expect the Browns to lead most of the way. So it's going to be a mid-tier projection here, especially compared to what we uh, just heard from Henry. I'm going to take Gorman for 10. Well, and you know, so for those playing at home, maybe not everyone got your little Gotham reference with the Bruce Wayne thing. I, I like that because because uh, he's a New York Giant. I love Thank what you, you did there. I'm very proud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I realised he got one through me a couple of weeks ago, and it wasn't until I listened to it back that I giggled myself <laughs> stupid about the Neverland Ranch, and I had to reply to you that, oh man, I missed that one, and it was actually probably one of the funniest things, and it just got so by. You, it was, uh, cause it was so you're proud. You actually picked it up on the podcast, and we're actually able to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't have to listen to it back three times editing, and then once as a listener to catch it it. so yeah i'm finally catching up to your brilliant so as i mentioned i was going to touch on damien harris who i think is a wonderful running back he passes the eye test easily and he faces the dolphins who up until last week were far better against the pass than the run but obviously facing the chiefs changed those stats a bit but i think they are very beatable on the ground for anyone with a decent running back Harris is averaging five yards per carry, and even though he never featured in the passing game or the red zone, he's phenomenal between the 20s. Now, this is purely speculative by myself, but with the Pats all but eliminated from the postseason, I believe they go to Harris far more to see what they have from him in the future. I give him the highest projection in Seahorse's team of 11.5. I had a projection here for Keenan Allen, but obviously, with the injury worry that Schefter reported that he'll be on a rep count, so the sheriff has taken him out of his team to take the less risky route and benched him. I'm going to quickly say that I think it could be a mistake. To me, Allen is so good that he's worth taking the risk. The rep count could just mean that he comes off the field more when the team knows they are going to run the ball. He may just play less between the 20s but still get plenty of red zone work. I think with the Pirates looking like a bit of an underdog projection-wise this week, that this might be the risk Seahorse needs to take. 
but I also understand the skepticism, especially this season with everything yeah. that's happened. I mean, it's tough, isn't it? You get to a position like this where you've been the number one team all year, and now just because other teams have had better waiver priority and, and had a week off, and now, man, he doesn't look like the same number one team he was for a lot of that 13 weeks. In fact, he might even be chasing in this matchup. And now I think that changes the way you come to market. You, uh, I don't know how he can be so risk-averse by saying, I'll take Allen out because he could give me a zero. Man, he's the closest thing you got in your wide receiving core to giving you a 20. And, I mean, uh, we could both be looking at this two days' time going, ah, nah, okay. So he knew oh, he Easily, doing. we could be completely wrong with Edgar on, on our face. I'm not guaranteeing this is wrong. I'm just saying in the position he's in – and the fact that Keenan Allen is so good, he's a high-tier uh, wide receiver, I think he's worth the risk. I, I, that's just my my standpoint on it. I, I'm not saying that Beasley, who I'm about to talk about now, can't go and do a good job. Yeah. I, I don't think, you know, you can't look at it based off projections and say it's a huge difference unless you know Beasley isn't really carrying an injury designation. So I, I understand everything yeah. he's doing. I'm just saying personally... I probably would have taken a different route. I just wanted to mention it because I had him as a projection and my projection for him still was higher yeah, than Beasley, even with this injury issue. So I just wanted to mention it. Yeah, and I think this is the difference between Seahorse and I. He doesn't overthink and then change his mind on something like this 450 times and then second-guess himself for the next 15 hours after he's done it. Like, I'm the same as you. I would I would have thought about it. I would have tilted my ass off trying to think of what to do, and he yeah. didn't. He just made a firm decision like he does as the sheriff. Um, so good for him. I, he made a decision. Man, he stuck with it. Yeah. I hope it works out for him. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. So, and you've got the rest of the wide receivers here. So I'll project mean? Beasley instead, which uh, at least has been a great uh, – he's been a great play of late. Brown is out again, which is crucial, so I can see a decent game again for Cole. I don't expect the whole Broncos secondary to contract the Beasles, but it will be a very solid game for gin- the ginger that's not a sack of shit. 11.5 for Beasles here. Wow. Uh, now, Metcalf is also a slight worry for me, like Russell Wilson was. I'm not going to say that he can't get it done because look at the bloke. He could manhandle a bear if yeah. anyone asked him to. I just temper <laughs> my expectations against a great defensive unit so the chances for enormous Wilson to DK plays are at a low here. Uh, I project DK for 12. Fair. So now on the other side is Lockett, who also has the same bad matchup. I still think he has a turnaround game in him, but I can't see him getting more work than DK. I think Lockett still gives you a floor game, but I'm projecting him at nine. I mean, it's tough. God, we saw what Washington did to a team whose offense looked fine a couple of weeks ago in Pittsburgh. But now Pittsburgh just look completely broken. So I kind of wonder, is that Pittsburgh yep. or was it Washington? Uh, this is a great test. Washington have to lean on that defense because everything is going wrong for them in the offense. You know, Gibson's gone. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Alex Smith. Well, they, they are just, they've got absolute yeah. goobers on their offense at the moment. So they have to really lean on that defense. It's scary Terry pass. Well, you know, have we tested that? Can Terry. I, Terry I may end up the losing the water bet because Scary Terry has known they can actually pass him the ball and he's just, he's getting nothing done in the last couple <laughs> of weeks. So. Our mate Huskins, the big old turd burger, yeah. is back, yeah. baby. Can't wait for back. that. Uh, <laughs> Corey Davis yeah. had a fall from grace last week. Surprise, surprise, predicted by yours truly. You're welcome, listeners. In this one, <laughs> like I mentioned earlier, I can see an absolute domination by Derrick Henry here, which doesn't always stop Tannehill finding his guys. 
but it always hurts them in the second half of games. So you may only get one half of production here from Corey. I'm a little more interested in Davis this week, but I can see it being very similar situation to their game against the Jags last week. I'll project Davis for nine. Yeah, copy-paste, man. There's so little resistance. Which is obviously a better game than he had last week. I can see this time I really do think it will be closer between him and Brown, but... The, the Yeti's just going to go absolutely apeshit. Now, Great. with tight end, we all know the situation of my rectum. Hopefully, the sheriff doesn't bust a cap in my ass for these projections, but Tonyan has just so much more upside with Aaron Rodgers on fuego right now, and that's Spanish and you know it. <laughs> I know it's Spanish, yes. Tonyan has you been getting targeted multiple times in the red zone and now has nine total touchdowns on the season. Amazing for a tight end. I'll project an 11-5 win to Tonyan here. God, where's Tonyan in tight ends? What is he, tight end three or four or something? This I year? think this him and so Hawkinson so are really so. close to each other. I I didn't look exactly whether he was three or four, but they seem to flip-flop like week to week. I think Hawkinson actually still finished in front of him, so he might be three still. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 either one or the other. No. Disgusting is what it is. Now, I love both of these flexes. I made Hilton a my guy in the preseason, and up until three weeks ago, it looked like I was going to be sent to Shutter Island in the Insane Asylum. But he has been the old TY in the last three weeks. 16.1, 22.0, and 23.1. The targets are there now averaging 7.66 targets a game over that span and turning it into 92.3 yards a game and four total touchdowns. I can see that continuing here against the Texans, who he has a fantastic record against in his career. I do think Jonathan Taylor dominates again, but there will still be enough for Hilton, who I'll project for 14. I mean, Rivers just has shots every so often. It's the most he has nothing but shots. thing you've ever Seaman. seen. <laughs> Seaman everywhere. <laughs> I mean, watching Rivers throw a deep ball is one of the most uncomfortable motions you'll ever see a human undertake. But, man, the last three weeks. That's um, it. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, he's been a my guy during the season. I did let him go on a trade where I acquired DeAndre Hopkins, but I'm still very in on his talent and will be intrigued by him for next season. Debo is done, and this will open it up for Ayuk as the team likes to build their game plan around one receiver. He's incredibly talented, and I love him in this matchup against the Cowboys. I'm taking him to go big with a 17. So I feel almost bad saying my projection here. I've got squads to dominate and actually put an enormous deficit on the Seahawks this week. I've got it at 128.5 to 95. More than happy to be proven wrong by this, and I know that this seems like a harsh take on Seahorse's team. And I like to point out that he's clearly had the best team and the most consistent team all season, and he completely deserves that title. I just think he's copped bad matchups for this week, and everything seems to be working out perfectly for TC. So I'm more than happy to be proven wrong, but based off each player, I couldn't see it going any other way. Oof. Yep, okay. Now, after the verbal diarrhea I've already spilled for what I can only assume is 77 hours, I'm finally at the last matchup. $10 Booker versus Struggle Town Sausage Dogs, who I haven't had a chance to look into yet, as he had a well-deserved buyer last week. QB matchup is a little less glamorous than the other matchup, with Derek Carr versus Kirk Cousins. Both are streamable quarterbacks, with one of these guys getting a far better matchup than the other. Carr gets the Chargers, who are 23rd against opposing QBs. The Chargers haven't been able to stop anybody this year due to a lot of injuries on the defensive side, 
and this bodes well for Carr and the whole Raiders' offense. I've got Carr for 26. Now, I made this prediction before the game started, and he's now been rushed to the locker room with an apparent groin injury. So this could completely change this matchup, but I'll move on. Yeah, just leave it locked in where it is, and we'll see what happens, eh? Now, Kirk Cousins gets the Bears, who are coming off the domination of the Texans. They are 11th against opposing quarterbacks and are stout against all positions. Cousins does have the wonderful weapons in Jefferson and Thielen, but I believe they will lean on Cook, and Cousins will finish with 19 points. Now, the all-favourite. Let's play a game. <laughs> oh, I love the games. Yes. So this is a very different sort of take on the game here. I'm not actually going to tell you who we're talking about. I'm only going to give you a starting point on where they are ranked this year. And then I'm going to ask you questions and you're going to answer what you think a person that's ranked at that should have scored or should be at. We'll work it out as we go along. Okay, let's do it. I'm ready. I'm game. Now, I'm not allowed to say the player's name. All I'm going to tell you is the guy is ranked 18th in the running back position. So pretty good, um, you know, mid running back two. Well, running back almost wow. one in our league. How many yards per attempt do you believe this player is getting? Uh, these are always a, it's a, a high number or a low number. Uh, let's go with 3.5. So it's 3.6. And I don't know if you realize that is incredibly low. That is like yes. really, really low. Like, you know, you, you, you de- decent running backs without being great are getting mid fours. So yeah. very yeah. low. How many rushing yards a game has this player averaged in the last four weeks? I feel like this will be a low number two now. Uh, let's say 50. 15.25. Oh. In the first nine weeks, this player averaged 17.66 rush attempts a game. How many has he averaged over the last four weeks? Again, this is going to be a low number, right? Uh, let's say six. God, I can't believe I'm doing this. 5.5. Jeepers. How many touchdowns did this player have in the first nine games? <laughs> Gosh. Uh, let's go with seven. It was nine. So Woo! this was to paint a picture about – I'll go into the paint of the picture. I'll tell you the players. It's Todd Gurley. This, wow. This guy has completely fallen off a cliff. He was getting great volume for a while, which was boosting his numbers, not to mention being incredibly touchdown relevant. But he's a yeah. giant turd sandwich now. He also gets the incredible Bucks rushing defense, and I'm projecting this guy for my lowest projection ever at four. Oh, God. So given all the things you've told me about his last four weeks, that actually seems... High. Generous. <laughs> I feel like you are filled with the milk of human kindness to give him that because, wow, how the mighty have fallen. He's got a chance to get minus in this game. He's he, <laughs> he, I could see him behind the offensive line in the first run just tearing his knee and just, like, falling down and getting minus four and not coming back. He... He's just been atrocious, and they're just finding any way to get anyone else in there. Well, he, he's he's bad. His rush per um, sorry, his yards per rush had just been atrocious. Even when he was playing well, it wasn't great. Yeah, and, yeah, it was and, and now he's not getting the red zone targets that were saving him his weeks. He's just not a great player. Like I consider him a drop candidate, even at this point of the Ooh. year. He's terrible. Drop candidate yeah. at running back in a sixteen-team league. Yep. 
Wow. Drop candidate. I'm I'm planting my flag. I'm doing a seahorse sheriff here. I'm just I'm making my stand on Gurley. He is done and he is just absolutely awful and he's not gonna do anything this week in particular. All right, you'll move Jolio. Holy cow. All right. Wow. Now, Mike Davis, I do like this week. He showed some more explosiveness last week, and he gets a Packers rush defense, which is 29th in the league. I'm going 15 points for Davis here. All right, so it makes up a fair bit. You get almost 20 between the two. That's kind of salvageable. And that's if Gurley actually gets to the huge projection of four. So now Kamara and Swift are a duo I love for Stephen, especially with Swift presumably getting healthier. Kamara looked far better with Hill last week. And he gets the Chiefs to a 23rd against the running back position. Yeah. Not much more needs to be said about AK-41 as he punches out a 17 this week. It's still not as great as when he had Breeze because Breeze was just going to him in the air all the time. But he's just clearly showing he's the lead back again in that in that team. And he's, he's going to have a good finish. Uh, maybe things are slowing down for Hill a little bit too. Those first couple of starts, maybe things were still happening a bit quick and he just relied on himself a bit. And now he's got some presence in the pocket. That, that might be all it takes too. It's just now he's seen a bit more. Teams can work him out a bit. You know, they can work out when he's going to run and, you know, in the, in the red zone that they feel like he's a chance of running. So they sort of play for it now and it actually probably gives Kamara a better chance now than it did initially. Uh, Good thought. Swift I like against the Titans because they will presumably be down against them and Swift is great in the passing game. Titans haven't been a fantastic defense, so I see a 12-point game from Swift here. Yeah, lovely. That's about right. Alan Robinson, like Rogers, is also a bunch of Spanish words right now. His relationship with Trubisky seems to be at an all-time high, and this matchup against the Vikings, who are 28th against wide receivers, is magical. I'm going 17 points for Robinson here. I'd like to hear the Spanish words. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, was it Despacito? <laughs> is that okay. I think it's a Spanish song. <laughs> He's just going to, yeah, no. Adios. Yeah. He's all this thing. Brilliant. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I hope for Stephen's sake, has been doing a few catching drills at home this week. And he leaves his Daniel Jones-like hands at home and catches the balls thrown his way. I believe he does. So against Cincinnati, who are clearly done for the year, I'm picking Johnson for 11 here. Robert Woods is a very consistent quality wide receiver. He has a questionable tag with a thigh issue, but I'll assume he's playing here. He gets the Jets, which is obviously a great matchup with plenty of possibilities. So I like him for a touchdown here and a score of 15.5. I'm pretty bullish on him. Yeah, well, he's proven he's worthwhile batting on. That's it. Uh, Thailand is obviously also a wonderful receiver. Jefferson being on his team has taken away some upside from from him, but they seem to be a great duo as Jefferson is a deep threat. But Thailand chips in with high targets and high, you know, red zone looks. Um, Not the best matchup against the Bears, but I still like him to get a score of 12 here. So Gronk versus Henry here. So it's tight end 8 versus tight end 10. So not much separating these guys, but I see a difference for Henry this week. Both a chance at a TD, and I'm actually going to make the call that they both will. But Henry gets the Raiders' defense, who lost guys and looked terrible anyway. Best part for Henry is that Williams and Allen look banged up, but are playing still. So they'll be there to take some sort of decoy role away from Henry, and he will be targeted a lot by my husband. 
I'm projecting a 15-10 win for Henry here. 15 being one of the biggest tight end projections you'll ever see from me for a player not named Kelsey. Yeah. Wow. 15. I think he uh, is in a great position to pay you off too because, uh, yeah, as you say, oh, Raiders. Now, the flexes. DJ Moore and Raheem Mostert are a little tough to work out. Mostert's usage so far is down, and but he's always one big play away from turning an average day into a big one. He's carrying a bit of an injury too, and I actually think Jeff Wilson is the better play here. Uh, I'll project yep. most of it at 9.5. Mate, I've sort of on the other end of that. I actually feel like while he's listed as questionable, he's not trending the right way. And, and putting a number next to him, I think, you know, it's probably good for safety, but I just don't think he's going to play. Oh, I completely agree. I, I Like I yeah. said, that's why I mentioned Jeff Wilson. I think he's definitely the better play. I kind of have to project him while they're there in their lineup at the moment, and I don't know he's not going to play. So I've found a 9.5 because... I can see him having only 10 rushes, but all of a sudden breaking one of them out, even if he's not 100%. So, Or just falling into the yeah. end zone. I mean, you can run him out there on first and one. But, I mean, so how does this change if it's not Mostert and it is Wilson because Jolio has that flexibility? He could swap Mostert for Wilson. He has them. I would be, I'd be going around the 14 mark for Wilson. I think Wilson's a great play. I think he's actually a lot better. If they're both playing, I would go Wilson. I definitely would. Wow. So, um, with that flexibility, obviously, I just had to project most it on the like when I was actually yep. looking at it because he's there. But I would definitely be yep. playing Wilson. I think he's the definite better player this week. Yeah, sure thing. No, I think that's an interesting position because not very many of the guys who got to the pointy end of the season had done that handcuffing thing of securing a full backfield. But then here you see Jolio. He's got McCaffrey on the bench. Oh, he's got Mike Davis. He's got most in his flex. Oh, he's got Jeff Wilson Jr. So not only does he have it, he's actually double insured himself. And I mean, a pace. It does. Right? It's really smart, especially with Davis. For I've been a McCaffrey owner, and I didn't have the luxury of getting Davis or the smarts. Really, mm. it was it was a great call by him, and it's probably the reason he's here. And I, I'm not in that league, so that that, that was really smart. Uh, he's going up against DJ Moore. Uh, he's had an ankle injury. And he also came off the COVID list. So he's also a bit hard to project. So I project more for 8.5. Yeah, that, that seems fair. Now, I initially had written here that kickers can go to the front of the line to lick my nuts. But when I wrote it, it got auto-corrected to kickers can go to the front of the line to kick my nuts. So, <laughs> so I guess the kickers are getting some revenge on me for the hate I've given them this year. <laughs> some vigilante justice, Absolutely. mate. <laughs> I don't think Myers might be the front of that list. Uh, <laughs> uh, one small mention is the Colts' defense. Uh, I reckon they could make a difference here over the Cardinals' defense. I think they win that 12-4. Ooh. Yeah, I, I think now that we've torn apart defensive scoring this week, for you to come with a really defined defensive matchup swing like that, uh, probably packs more weight than it would have any other week too because we really did break it down in the thread this week about how it scored yep. and why. Yeah, for sure. So the overall predict- prediction is a 10.5 win uh, for Stephen, making it a TC versus Stephen final. Final score wow. at 114.5 to 104. But if Carr doesn't come back from this first quarter injury, it changes everything. Based off projections, if he was to miss the rest of the game, then Joel would be a 15-point favourite. It's huge. Oof. That's massive. That is massive. And this is the thing about the quarterback position being so much more superpowered than every other position yep. at the moment in terms of, well, what can you expect from an average performance at one position on your lineup week to week? Um, and this is, again, something that's come up in 
in our league discussions through the weeks is is teams' lineups too dependent on the quarterback being so heavily weighted. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens there because yeah, one position, and that's a huge swing from ten and a half points out to sort of fifteen behind. Well, I Massive. projected him to get twenty six, and he got he's got one point one two. Um, at the time of the injury, so it's just under twenty-five point swing. So it's enormous. Uh, I don't know. Saying how Marys, I don't know. What do, what do you do to try and summon somebody back from injury? Is there a, like some patron saint of the injured quarterback? Can, can, can we get one of those? Yeah, it's called the God, the Jack gods Potter. of Kamara. You just pray to the gods of Kamara, and he all of a sudden gets you a Derek Henry like score. Oh, there we go. Okay, <laughs> so that's the cheat code that you're going to need to use. Definitely. <laughs> so big thank you to everyone for sticking with me here. I had a lot of gloating to do, plus I had a lot of things to say about these exciting matchups ahead. As always, good luck to everyone still involved. And again, hopefully Seahorse and Joel can stick it to me for picking the other teams to win comprehensively. Cheers, guys. Another guy who has been drafted like he died too was... Oh, P.Y. Hilton. He's a good receiver. <laughs> he actually doesn't look great. whole career has been defined by boom. Barkley. Or bust. Yeah. Or hurt. And to see him bang out 26 points was extraordinarily satisfying. A huge F.U. to the vinegar stroke. Great to have Taylor on. And as always, he's uh, bringing some insight and bringing some interesting thought to it. But he's also sticking his neck out. So give him some chops and give him some pats on the back for the things he gets right. And when he does get something wrong, I mean, God, he's only as much of a, a fan as you and I. And here he is trying to stick his neck out. So... A real pleasure to have him on for doing that, and I find him really, really entertaining. I think he makes great radio, to be honest. I should just be his producer. We are going to be back on the Monday show. Now, the Monday show, I'm going to be talking to Ken of the Playmakers, which is great because, well, Ken, interestingly, he's now down in Melbourne, so he's had a bit of a year, same as Jolio was reporting about having a bit of a year, and it'll be great to talk to him because he's now not so much into the football life. He's got a whole different life down there, and we'll get into talking about some of the old football days, but what he's doing down there now in his new life in Melbourne. So join me for the show on Monday. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Astro League Podcast. This is Matty C, the obnoxious commissioner of the Astro League, signing out. Uru. Play. Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Matty C.